You're listening to Tech Talk Central. This is Akiti Andafilakis for Tech Talk Central. We are here at the Digital Health and Wellness Summit of ECH Alliance. It's a side event of Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. We will be interviewing Christopher James. He's a professor of biomedical engineering. And we will be listening to what Christopher has to say on wearables and how health is changing based on the wearables and the data that we gather from everyday life. Okay, I think to, to talk about wearables in health, I think we have to talk about how healthcare management is changing. And simply put, we're changing from managing health or managing illness through individual incidents where you go to hospital and get treated and get sent home, where the patient is just a participant and the doctor and the clinician is, is the, the king, so to speak. To, we're now changing to a, a situation where we're trying to maintain wellness as opposed to just treating illness. And that means that trying to get information of the end user, the patient, at home. And of course, to do that, we need technology. And this, uh, I think, is a very nice way of, of introducing um, healthcare technology in the home away from the clinic. And I guess what's key, from my perspective, what's key in, in doing this, we need a platform that allows us to measure continuous data. We need a platform that can give us longitudinal data um, over hours, days, weeks of use. And I think that is the, going to be the game changer in terms of um, how we can diagnose illness or prognose illness, or more, or more importantly, maintain wellness. So, for example, if you have somebody who is... Um, prone to diabetes or, I don't know, obesity, for example, um, you could say, okay, I'm going to send you home with a particular type of technology, and through the use of this technology, we can get a pattern, we can learn patterns of your activity. And by monitoring those patterns, we can get an idea of um, what's good and what's bad and perhaps change your behavior. Um, and what's also interesting in, in this type of technology is that you can, you can get information from the data and you can feed that information back either to the end user themselves so for example a lot of the sort of um, consumer devices that you can get like Fitbits or whatever you wear the Fitbit you look at it it tells you numbers of steps now you how you use that information is entirely up to you um, but it's one way of feeding the information back but of course you could also have it set up so that it feeds information back to your carers or your care environment usually it could be your family or it could be more formal carers and which is also an, a different way of managing your illness or your wellness. And then finally, of course, you could have it set up so that it manages information and sends that information to your, to your carers, to your clinicians. And that may have uh, different effects where the clinicians may ask you to change your medications or your level of medication or, or whatever. So I, I think um, wearable or, or let's not say wearable for now, let's say as just mobile healthcare. Um, for the moment, I think taking it to the home gives you this longitudinal view of the data sets. Now, what I think is key, for my, in my personal view, is bringing in the wearable side of mobile healthcare. Because if you have wearable um, technology, that means that you can get longer periods of data really attached to the end user. Now, it would be great if we could put electrodes and measure heart rate and that sort of thing. But usually, as is many of the case in, in telehealth or M health, it doesn't really work. You know, the end user doesn't really know how to attach the electrodes or attaches them wrong or they fall off and all this sort of thing. 
And so I'm interested in, in collecting data from activity. And from, from activity, we can infer quite a lot around behavior. And it so happens that the, the sort of hot um, wearable technology of the moment is uh, smartwatches. And so smartwatches, which you could argue are essentially smartphones on, on the wrist, worn on the wrist, give us quite a lot of sensing data that we can sense using accelerometry and some have built-in heart rate monitors and, and so on. And this gives us relatively longitudinal data sets. Um, you could argue that it's a bit noisy, the data, you know, the heart rate values themselves you have to take with a pinch of salt. But if you're taking these, these recordings hour by hour, day by day, week by week, you can actually start to build some really nice, interesting patterns. And we've done this, um, we've been testing sort of some algorithms on this, and we've tested it in a few areas. Uh, one area is in um, elderly, in the elderly, so uh, independent living in the elderly. So there what we're interested in is looking for patterns of um, activities of daily living. Uh, so in that particular situation, you ask yourself, can this person look after themselves? So do they get up? Do they get up on the right time every day? Do they feed themselves, wash themselves? Can they cook, clean, you know, that sort of thing. And so from wearing a device like this, all we ask is that they wear the device and just get on with their daily life. And from their activity, we infer their behavior. And we try and infer these different levels of activities of daily living. And that's a very good way, and I think the key word is unobtrusive, to unobtrusively monitor what, what's going on. We've also tried this technology in mental health, and in particular we've tried it in bipolar disorder, which sort of commonly used to be known as manic depressive. And that gives us a very nice sort of test platform because you have these swings, relatively slow swings, in behavior from sort of the manic state to the depressed state. And the idea is that we wear the device, you get on with your daily life, and we, we look for sort of telltale signs in your behavior. And we try and look for changes in those, in those behavior. And of course, the ideal would be to predict, to predict at the point where you start going to start sort of swinging from one end of the scale to the other. And again, there we find that you enter into essentially a contract with the end user. And you, you basically say, this is what we're going to do. This is all you need to do is monitor. And we will feed back information to you about your state of health, your state of well-being. I wanted to ask you something uh, regarding wearables. Um, the, the technology is there, all right? You've got all kind of sensors. Um, you can, like you said, have a smartwatch and you can track all the data that someone needs to find out. But how effective that is? I mean, uh, do really people use it the way they should? Because it's like medicine. You might uh, prescribe a medicine to a patient and he might forget about it. Uh, he might not take it the, 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 the right uh, dose. Can that happen with a wearable? He might not even forget to turn it on. Uh, the battery might go low. So what, what exactly are the characteristics of a wearable device that will make it the device uh, really, really uh, important and efficient uh, in order to track the, the right data. Yeah, that's a very good question. I think I think two things are particularly important in a wearable that we found. Clearly, battery life. If you have a wearable that doesn't have a battery life, which is decent, then like you say, if it's spending more of its time needing charging, then it's not going to work. And, and it really has to be... Um, 
how should I say, the end user really needs to be um, happy wearing a device that they're not going to keep taking off and putting on again. It's like you say, you take it off, uh, you forget it, you put it on charge, etc. So clearly power is a, is a big issue. But also I think the usability, the end use of a device. So for example, I'll give you an example. We have a smartwatch, which essentially is an Android platform. And we can interact with it, we can display, you can interact by touching the screen, swiping, etc. But if I try and interact with an elderly end user on a screen which is you know, one inch diagonal, then it doesn't work. So what we're really interested in, I think, is, is this keyword unobtrusive. So we want to try and make it as easy for you to comply as possible. So we have a watch which looks like a watch. You look at it, it tells you the time and all we want you to do is wear it. So the only compliance really that we need from you is to wear it. And if you wear it for long enough, long periods of time, we can build up these patterns. Yes, there will be points where the battery died on you or you died, you took it off and you didn't charge it or you forgot to put it back on. But on the whole, um, over long periods of time, um, we will start to fill in the, the holes in the data um, over 24 hours, you know, subsequent 24 hours. And we can then build this little usage pattern over days, probably a couple of weeks. And you, you actually learn. So you can learn about patterns of behavior. Um, I, I can give you a very simple example. It's an easy way of, of showing how you can learn. We, we can take data and we can train the data on weekdays and then um, expose the whole day, whole week to the, to the system and it will start to clearly show you when the weekend is different from the weekdays because most of us tend to have weekdays and weekends which are different and it's a very simple way of the system showing you how you can actually learn from really really noisy data. So I think you're quite right it's well and good to have a system but how do you make people use it and, and my view is make it unobtrusive and make it as easy to use as possible. Uh, and one last question uh, regarding data privacy, because uh, like you said, we, p patients are using wearables and those wearables uh, have uh, data sent all over the, the time. If someone gets to hack the, the watch, what can happen then? Yeah, it's, again, it's one of those hot questions of the moment, isn't it, with this sort of thing. I think all of the, the sort of standard things that you can do to protect data, to protect privacy, to protect the security of data packets being transmitted, etc. Um, we can do all of that the same way you can do in any, any sort of telecommunications device. Um, what we tend to do is to anonymize the data on, on the watch itself and only send sort of anonymized packets off the watch. Um, we tend to do a lot of analysis on watch, meaning that we're not sending any sort of raw data about an individual, and we only send sort of processed data in, in five-minute packets. Um, I think the question is there, the problem is there, but we, there's a lot of things that you can do which are standard around data security and, and privacy. I think the big question is, um, which I usually get asked, which is around um, Big Brother. You know, so if you have a mental health patient and this mental health patient is having a device which is observing them all the time, you know, how does this, how does this sit in, in society nowadays? And, and my personal experience is that the end users themselves don't care. They, they, you, you tell them what it is that you're doing, why you're doing it, and the safeguards that you've put in. And they want, they want the technology because it's going to help them. I'm happy, I'm happy that you made the, the question because uh, that, that was what I had in mind.
So, um, uh, how do you see the the market evolving in the next couple of years? Because there are a lot of technologies out there. For example, uh, I recently interviewed uh, a blockchain startup, which is basically a technology that, like you said, it is anonymous and anyone knows and can prove that this uh, transaction has been made, where a transaction can mean anything from one person giving something else to another. Um, so how could uh, this benefit uh, the health industry uh, in the next years uh, with uh, wearables, Internet of Things, and all those smart devices? Yeah, so so I guess the, rephrasing the question, so you, you're saying going forward, looking forward, how is, what's the, what's the landscape going to look like? Well, with all those new technologies, because what we're uh, talking about is with the technologies that have been, have been used up to now. But like I said, there are new technologies right now that will be uh, de deployed in the next uh, months or maybe one year that will basically change the whole landscape. Yeah, I, I think if you, if you think back, backwards 10, 15 years, you'll see in telehealth or telemedicine or mHealth, depending on what you call it, there was a lot of creation of new devices, creation of, of boxes which needed hardware, which of course went obsolete straight away. I, I think the landscape has changed now because we now have really sophisticated platforms which are consumer devices. Yeah? And so, for example, smartphones and smartwatches, etc. So I think what we're seeing now is that we're piggybacking on top of consumer devices, off-the-shelf devices, and using um, those devices, using the code, the sophisticated code and security, etc., that comes with it, to turn that device into a healthcare device or, or a health monitoring device. Which I think means that, in a certain amount of way, you are future-proofed, in the sense that if a new device comes out or a new update comes out or a new way of doing a transaction, it's a question of porting what you're currently doing to the new technology that's coming out. So I think this new way of thinking about doing healthcare does future-proof it very much more to the way it was being done before, especially if a lot of the stuff that we're talking about is all off the shelf. It's all consumer devices. Um, do you think that uh, the explosion of uh, healthcare apps have uh, helped the industry? Because uh, Wherever you go, you hear, uh, I've got an app for that, I've got an app for, for the other thing. And there are too many apps there. Uh, most of them uh, have little, little traction. So there are uh, some users using it, obviously, because uh, they wouldn't ever exist there. But do we need so many apps? And uh, do you think that wearables will be more important to your industry than apps? That's a, again, that's a very good question as well. I think there are quite a lot of apps. You could argue that quite a lot of them don't really do, uh, they may do what they say, but they don't necessarily provide much benefit. Because uh, the key in all of these is not necessarily to make a measurement and to show that measurement to the individual, but it's for the individual to use that measurement and do something to their life, whether it's changing medication, etc. So I would argue that there are probably too many of these apps. I think the key question is, is there any regulation? of these apps and, and that turns the whole thing on its head, doesn't it? And also, when you install this app on a device, 
do we have currently a medical device? So is a phone, a smartphone, a medical device when it has one of these apps on it? Clearly, I would say a, a large number of these apps, that's not the case. Um, it, it is a very difficult question. I'm trying to think of a way of... Um, for me, I think one of the issues is the way this data is used. So I think an app becomes useful when the data that it generates is fed back to you in a way that, so for example, your clinician might feed it back to you. So depending on the data and how you process that data, the app may or may not have value. I guess... In a way, I'm, I'm speaking against this now, but if you have a smartphone or a smartwatch or this type of technology, which is going to allow the pro proliferation of apps in this way, it's not necessarily going to help, help the cause. So I don't think necessarily that the new technology is in any way going to make it better. I suspect what's going to have to happen is that the healthcare industry is going to have to sort of regulate the use of apps in this way and sort of using off-the-shelf technology and turning that technology into a medical device. I think there's more worth in sort of looking at it from that perspective. So any last comments before we finish this interview? No, I, I personally think that for me the, the biggest turnaround in, in mobile wearable healthcare is the is the sort of the invention if you like of the smartphone a, a device which is powerful has lots of connectivity a lot of memory and actually on board has quite a lot of sensing in itself so i think we can probably do quite a lot using such devices which we wouldn't normally class as a medical device it's okay it won't necessarily measure your blood rate uh, your pulse rate or your blood pressure or something like that but actually you can actually tell quite a lot from an individual so for me i think we're really on the verge of something really big in terms of um, what does the future hold in terms of wearable and mobile technology and mobile health well uh, thank you very much christopher uh, that was christopher james uh, professor of med med biomedical engineering uh, this is psychistry and uh, live from digital health and wellness summit uh, at mobile world congress in barcelona Thank you very much for listening. Bye. You're listening to Tech Talk Central.